You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 112th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcast and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, I'm super excited to continue our focus on education by talking with a woman I met while she was practicing her newfound choice theory skills. She really impressed me as an awesome teacher, and I really wanted to have her on the podcast to talk to all of you about her experiences. Gretchen Carey has 27 years experience working in a public library and school districts. She had two years at the Children's and Young Adult Department in a Colorado public library and the past 25 years as a middle school English reading and communications teacher, a reading specialist, literacy coach, and literacy specialist in a Minnesota school district. Not surprisingly, Gretchen was a past Minnesota Teacher of the Year semifinalist. She is the creator of Still Life Coaching and lives in Minnesota with her husband, Cocker Spaniel, and Aussie Doodle Puppy. Welcome, Gretchen, and thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your experience working with students in the public school system and other things. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm very excited to be part of this conversation. Terrific. You ready to start? I'm ready. All right. How did your upbringing and school experience impact your current work and mindset in education, Gretchen? I'm someone who is very grateful for the educational path that I had. I started out in San Francisco public schools from the time I was in kindergarten through my third grade year. And then our family moved to the mountains of Washington and we actually attended a one-room school called Narnia. And I'm not making that up. I was the only fourth grader and we lived in more of a communal type of an environment where we shared a chalet with other families and ate together in a dining hall and lived there for a year. And then my family moved to Southern Minnesota and I was fortunate to be part of the public school system there. And I think across all of those different situations, there was a common thread of high level of expectations, high level of support, and definitely a community around me and my whole family. That really benefited me as I moved into the education profession. That's really fascinating. I can't imagine being the only kid in fourth grade. Fourth grade was a really pivotal one for me. Did you find being the only one was lonely or did you find that everyone kind of rallied to support you? How was that for you? I had a fantastic experience as a fourth grader and it really was a community experience. So all of us have a brother and sister. We were all in the same school. School was beyond the classroom for sure. We lived in the mountains. There was a lot of hiking and skiing and there was a little pool hall. There were all kinds of things that we did to be part of the community. We learned to weave and we learned to build things. It was beyond your traditional classroom, I would say. At the time, there were a lot of college students that lived there. I learned to play the flute and I had great friends who were much older than me that mentored me. I never felt isolated. I always thought I was the fourth grader that struggled the most and I was the one who thrived the most because I was the only one. So I got to be all the things at one time. That's like I say, when my mother says you're my favorite daughter and I say, yeah, I'm your only daughter. So I'm also your least favorite. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's good. Who are some of the people who have impacted your perspective? Definitely my family. 
extended family grandparents were very present in our lives. My parents, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of reading, a lot of conversation about justice, our personal responsibility to be part of a community as an independent person, and then also our role in interdependently supporting others and advocating for others. So I learned a lot about different perspectives from reading and from life experience. Living in Washington was a big part of that. We didn't have a TV. We didn't have a lot of the traditional communication. And it wasn't isolating in that way. It was just a different way to be present, learning how to play instruments and learning how to cook. And like I said, all the different types of arts and crafts and things like that. My family would be people that I would mention for sure. And then extended beyond that, Early on, I remember watching Fred Rogers, and he was probably my first online teacher, my first digital classroom. And I just remember the importance of routines and safe and predictable patterns and being present in the moment, respecting your neighbors and thinking about what are all of the gifts that each person in your neighborhood bring and how do you celebrate those and bring those out in them? And then also, how do you contribute to the community? He was definitely a loud voice, impactful voice growing up. And then also a lot of children's authors when I was young and even now, I think about the words of Kate DiCamillo. I don't know if you're familiar with the miraculous journey of Edward Tulane, but one of my very, very favorite quotes is, you must be filled with expectancy. You must be awash in hope. And I think that that's a really powerful phrase that has carried me through lots of experiences. I think about Lemony Snicket. I don't know if you know any of these, but character Violet, who has a quote, I won't get it exactly right, but you can't invent more time. You can invent popcorn poppers and things like that, but you can never invent more time. So it goes back to that theme of just being present in the moment and really celebrating the people that are with you and learning from them and thinking about how you can positively impact their lives. Think about the students and the teachers that I've worked with for the past 25, 27 years and their stories and how they've helped me see perspectives that I'd never considered. I was filled with stories growing up, but there were a lot of stories that I didn't hear and stories where the authors weren't celebrated at that time. And so thinking around how do we make sure that all kids and adults have their perspectives heard and honored through children's literature, especially and my life experience and my family experiences, those have been impactful people. It sounds wonderful, really. I'm not surprised you became a librarian because it sounds like you have a love of books and a love of reading. And it's a way of expanding beyond whatever you know, right? You can learn so much more by reading books. Some you love, some you won't, but it's all exposure to new things. And how wonderful that you have that and that you use it to help others. That's also a theme that I've heard throughout your stories so far. Not only were you raised in a loving, supportive, encouraging environment, but you were also encouraged to do your part to help others, which probably led you into the teaching field. So it's fascinating, isn't it, when we look back on our life experiences and figure out how did that shape me and how did I become who I am today? Doesn't sound like a secret with you. It sounds like there's some really specific things that you can point to, understand how you became the person you did and how lucky the world is to have you have those influences. Terrific. That's very generous. I just think about the impact that other people have had on my life. I really fought being a teacher. I think I wasn't positive. I think some people say they knew that. I knew that I would go into some kind of profession where I would do something where I'm of service. That was an expectation and something that's really valued. There are so many different ways that people are of service to one another. 
going back to the book piece, part of what I learned through all of the stories that I read and the stories that I learned about is that often when we hear that a student is struggling because they're not a reader or they're not good at writing, often the pattern has been that they just haven't found the right book and they haven't had somebody help them find the right story. And once they find that, it's this whole other person comes out. A lot of my life's path has been trying to learn more about those stories and learn how do I stand on the shoulders of other people's stories and then how do I contribute? That's beautiful. Let's fast forward to your adult time on the planet. And what are some of the lessons you've learned during the past couple of years? And how does that impact your work in education and supportive educators? One of the biggest things that we've all learned, hopefully, is the importance of realizing that our own perspective and our own resources are not consistent for everyone and thinking through how do we intentionally create equitable opportunities for access. I was one of the people that went to Target and I bought all the toilet paper and all the paper towels because I panicked and I looked up for myself and I looked up for my family. And then I kind of stepped back and I thought, how am I impacting the people around me that might not have access to do those things? And who am I going to be at the end of this pandemic? And, and will I look back and be proud of my actions? That was a big lesson that I've thought about. I think about the words, again, going back to Kate DeCamillo, you must be awash in hope. You must be filled with expectancy. There's a lesson here that if we're willing to take the time and, and dig in, we're going to learn some things together. I also think about the importance of being of service and partnerships. We've never had a time in education and in other fields as well, where we really needed each other, literally needed each other because we didn't know how to do certain things, whether it was Zoom or online platforms or connecting with families that we weren't able to reach or that didn't currently have access. And I think about uh, the resilience that I was able to witness in our communities and our kids and also in our teachers and the way that they reached out in creative ways by going to people's homes and delivering books and trying to be creative in the way that they connected with people that maybe didn't have the same access or opportunity to have the resources that they needed. I think about the lessons and we've heard a lot about lost learning and the gaps that our kids have. That's true for sure in some areas. We really talk about unfinished learning that in this time, there was learning. It might not be what our traditional path has been, but there's been a lot of learning. And I, I also think about the families that had a reset, my own included, where we're so busy in lots of sports and lots of activities and kind of this go, go, go pace. And there were families that in this past couple of years, we were forced in some positive ways to slow down, to connect with one another, maybe have dinner together for the first time in years. And to not be able to be distracted by some of the other things that are gifts and, and great opportunities. But it was this time where if we were able to really think about what's available and what's possible, there were some new opportunities. So I've learned about our middle schoolers. I know that the perception is that they're tricky, but they're really honest and they're really thoughtful. Their perceptions on empathy and their perceptions on how they've helped their teachers. Again, I mentioned this earlier, but at the end of this, so to speak, will I be proud of who I was? And if I'm not, how do I reset? And what are the resources available to me to ground myself and center myself so that I know that it was a tricky time, but we worked through it? Typically, there's a family or a couple of families that struggle and other families circle around them. So if you think around a funeral or losing a home or going through medical issues, 
the community circles around those people in different ways. You mow their lawn, you bring them food, you help with errands. We were all experiencing this simultaneously in different ways. And how are the ways that we still were able to show up for one another? And I think it's different for everyone. I celebrate those things and I try to think about how do we move forward and grow and learn and make it better in education, in our healthcare system, in our community supports, in the way we treat one another. Go back to the Fred Rogers examples. Are we being present on the Zoom? Are we being present in those one-on-one conversations when we're able to get together and be in person or not? And are we looking to our neighbors to see what their needs are as well? Yeah, those were the important lessons during COVID, I think, and the things that we don't want to lose. We might be happy to lose Zoom. I'll tell you if I never have to go on another Zoom meeting again, but I know that I will because we're on Zoom right now and I'll continue to use Zoom because it's a good tool. But to feel like that's the only tool I have, I don't necessarily want to do that. But I do love the way that COVID did bring us together because similar to 9-11, we were all experiencing similar catastrophe, right? And we have that in common. And this was even more so because we know the deaths from COVID far outnumber the deaths from that situation. There are very few of us who weren't affected by grief during this COVID time. And that was exacerbated by the fact that many of us couldn't be with the loved ones that we were losing during their last days and moments. The way that we supported each other and were there for each other and did things for each other, I hope that that doesn't go away. I hope, like you, that we remember that sense of service and community connection so that we can carry that into better times. That's beautiful. Thank you, Gretchen. How about, I'm excited that you're becoming a choice theory person, that you've learned some things. You took your basic training in choice theory. So I'm curious, um, how did you first learn about Dr. Glasser's work and how have the past couple of years reignited your interest in choice theory, reality therapy, and lead management? I took a class, I feel like it was late 20s, early 30s, probably, on choice theory. And I was hooked because so much of Glasser's work gave me language around things that I was seeing or feeling. And it helped me get on my front wheels to take action. And I really found it impactful in the classroom. Having middle schoolers at that time, seventh graders, identify what would be in their quality world, what's in their perfect ideal world, and then thinking around How are they getting their needs met and helping them realize that they were making choices that were impacting them? And so in the classroom, what were the ways that they were celebrating independence or connection or ways that they experienced freedom? They were getting that need met, but it was impacting the rest of the classroom culture. And so it was maybe in a cheap way. And what were other ways that they might help suggest that would meet those needs in a deeper, more sustainable and healthy way for the whole community? I was very interested in that. And once I started using some of that thinking, I really, I never had to send students out of the classroom. Typically we could just look at each other and I would say, what's your need? And they'd say, oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking it was, you know, I needed some independence and power. I got up in the middle of class. I decided to bump a couple friends, uh, sharpen my pencil in the middle of everything. It distracted everything. And instead, is there a different opportunity where I might feel empowered to be part of a leadership role in the classroom that is also supportive of my classmates? I really found it interesting and impactful early on. And then for the past couple of years, I haven't been in the classroom. I support across our middle schools um, with some coaching and I support teachers and students in a different capacity. 
But when I was looking at some of the coaching work that I've been doing, I was going through some of my notes and I found that the notes that I had from when I was taking this class originally, and I started Googling and I saw that you were offering different opportunities and I just signed up right away. It was so affirming because it helped me put language around what we're experiencing. Our survival needs weren't being met in the way that we traditionally would have. And it was impact during COVID especially, and it was impacting the way that we were navigating our choices and also really resetting what are the ways now that I might find freedom and power and connection that might be different from what I've learned from the past two years. And how am I focusing on where the big yeses are and not feeling like I'm saying yes to everything? And thinking about how I'm perceiving something might be different than how other people perceive things. So I really thought a lot about his work and his language and it reinvigorated my interest because it gives language and it helps me take action and not feel like a martyr and feel like I'm just kind of wallowing in an experience. And it helps me think possibilities. I've just been kind of addicted to the role-playing opportunities and the coaching opportunities and bought more books than I'm reading again. And it really affirms the work that I believe in. And also I think about how to help share that with others because it's, it's so impactful. I love three things that you said about that. So I just want to underscore them. So the first thing is it's a great tool to be able to use with people in groups in the classroom, right? Students, you also use it in support of other educators. But then you said, I use it with myself too. And that, that is so important when you're using choice theory. If you can't be an example of living choice theory in your life, not a perfect example, because I don't know anybody who can do that, but an example that people can look to and say, oh, this is what she's talking about. I see her doing it. Then that makes what you're saying even more impactful. And then the third thing you talked about was sharing it with others sharing it with other people who might be able to use it and make their lives better. So what a great, I'm going to use the word disciple of choice theory that is. So thank you for that. I also, without trying to quiz you, I hope you know that's not what this is, but twice you mentioned getting on your front wheels. And I'm not sure everyone who's listening will understand that metaphor. Would you say a little bit more about that? Yes. You can't necessarily control your feelings or the physiology. I think to some degree, maybe physiology with breathing and things like that, but you can control your thoughts and your actions. So if you think about the wheels on a car, thoughts and actions are front wheels, physiology and feelings are back wheels. And so you can use your back wheels to help you think around how are you steering? That's kind of my language to get yourself back on track. And I think it's empowering to know that there might be some things, especially with feelings that you maybe feel that that's out of control. And yet there are ways to take action through the different role plays and coaching opportunities to reflect on what do you have in your control and what do you have choices around and how does that impact then your feelings and your physiology? That was a great explanation. So thank you, Gretchen. And then lastly, I want to ask you about still life coaching. How did that come to be? During the past couple of years, I've had plenty of time. I commute when I drive up to work. So I have about 35 minutes. And then also when I was home, just to think about how do I use my skill set and how do I stand on my front wheels? How do I cultivate my own joy during this experience? And I love what I do. I love my job. And so it's not separate from that. It's in addition to that, I wanted some things to think around. How do I keep leveling up? How do I keep learning 
how do I keep expanding the way that I utilize coaching? Primarily the coaching work that I do is around literacy and systems in our in our school district. And I wanted to think broader around service leaders in all different areas. I think we have a lot of people in our communities that are service leaders that are feeling like they maybe aren't treated with the dignity that they may have in the past. In, in the past, it was a really well-respected role to be someone who works in a service industry, whether it's a restaurant or a nursing home or a hospital or an education parent in a lot of cases, you can go on and on. And I think that with the conditions and the way that we've responded, everyone differently in survival mode, there are times when I think that there are some service leaders that are questioning their work and thinking, do I keep giving and giving in? And is that reciprocated in our community? And is this a respected profession across the board? Lots of different professions. And I decided that I wanted to learn more about holistic coaching approach and thinking around your own health and well-being, your own family, your own finances, all of the different areas. So I took some classes and became certified in holistic coaching. Then I started thinking about what would a program be that I could offer or what would some coaching be that I could offer on the weekends or in the evenings to keep myself fresh and to keep myself learning and motivated. And had a great coach in our coaching program here. And she's really helped me reflect on like what you were just saying. Like, I need to think through my own actions. How am I modeling that? And then what can I bring forward? From all of that, I started thinking around ideas and I came up with still life. And the reason that I chose that, I don't know that there's ever going to be truly balance in my life or in other people's lives. But I really think of the metaphor for myself as your life is like a still life. They're just normal objects that you've assigned places to and value to. And really, they're all important. But at different times, different parts of that still life might be more of a priority. So it's really about how I am in control of the light and the arrangement. And there might be times where something has a brighter light. There might be times where I use a dimmer because something's still important. And using a dimmer in your home can make something even more lovely. It's not necessarily diminishing its value, but I'm going to put it in this light for right now while I focus on something else. So I have been learning about how to create a business. I've been so fortunate to have lots of mentors and people helping me because I don't know how to do any of it. I learned how to create a website and I learned how do I connect the email? How do I figure out the financial part of everything? It's all new to me. And that's really important to me too, because I like to be in a learning stance where I don't know how to do something at all, because it helps me be more compassionate and empathetic when I'm teaching something. And I think, why aren't they getting this? To be in that learning stance is tricky and exciting and invigorating and scary and all of those things. And so this has been my thing. So I've been learning about coaching. I have been learning about marketing. I've been learning about branding and it's all been really fun. And I do some writing. It's just in its first stages, but I have a website. I have an email address and I'm working on a small program and book study with service leaders to help create a community around them so that they see that they are on their front wheels and that they do have control in the decision and choice in being a service leader and that they have choices in how to illuminate their quote unquote still life as well. I love that. It's right in line with the name of my podcast, Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. I really love that. And it sounds like you are a perpetual student, always in learning mode, which makes you a far better teacher than those who are not. That is awesome. 
I feel your excitement and I share it and cannot wait to see what you come up with because it sounds like you're just brimming over with some really great ideas and your genuine willingness to help others is what's going to propel you forward, I think. So I hope you'll stay in contact so I can know what's happening with you, Gretchen. That would be really wonderful. We've talked about a lot of things, but we're coming to a close. So I just wanted to ask if there's anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't already talked about. I think that one of the things that has grounded me during this time is to look, like I said, to the neighbors, look to the people that have come before us and the learning that they've done. And one of the quotes that I have everywhere beyond the Kate to Camilla and the Lemony Snicket and all of those, Theodore Roosevelt's words, do what you can with what you have where you are. And that has really helped me stay grounded and stay forward focused on I'm going to do the best that I can in this moment with the resources that I have. And I'm going to continue to grow forward from that. And I think that if that can impact anyone else in a positive way, that is important to me. That's beautiful. Do you have anything coming up that you would like our audience to know about? As I mentioned, I am just getting started in this tiny little business venture. I'm excited about it. I do have a website that's pretty basic, but I'm learning and I love advice on how to make it better. And so if anyone wants to look at that, it's createstilllife at gmail.com is my email. And the website is www.createstilllife.com. That is wonderful. Gretchen, I really want to tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and our audience today. I know you have a busy schedule and could be spending your time doing any number of things like working on your business or improving your website or any of those things. So I'm extremely happy that you chose to spend this time with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is a new experience too, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. It was my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing another very special teacher, Evan Lent. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.